Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. A history repeats itself. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that term. I'm trying to get you involved here. History repeats itself. And in our passage today, we're going to see that that is true when it comes to the treatment of Christians. When we look at the way Christians are treated, we are going to see that it's true that history repeats itself. As we continue in our series, A City on a Hill, we are going to hear from Peter as he addresses some Christians who are facing heavy persecution, who are under persecution. And Peter writes to them in order to give them hope. That's what he wants for them. He wants them to be full of hope. And in order to do that, he tells them who they are. Because he knows knowing who we are will have a positive effect on our behavior. Here's the main idea today, which is on the screen. It says, knowing who we are helps us be who we are. Knowing who we are helps us to be who we are. Again, the first readers of this letter were facing heavy persecution. And just like them, we will face persecution. It is, that is just a true fact. If you're not facing it right now, you will face it at some point. And that's just the reality of following Jesus. Jesus was mistreated. Jesus was disrespected. Jesus was treated like a joke. So if, as his followers, if we think our reality is going to be opposite, then we're not thinking straight. And this happens especially when we commit to be people who are salt and light. When you settle into this reality and that you're going to live what the Bible actually says, persecution will come. But we're going to see that how we live in the midst of persecution can bring glory to God. Because it shows people that God is real. And also because it can have a transforming effect on the people doing the persecuting. Do you get that? That the way we live in the midst of persecution, can actually have a transforming effect on the people doing it. The way we respond, and we're going to see that today. Look at verse 11. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Here's point number one. Peter tells us who we are. He tells us who we are. He's going to tell them the kind of people they are to, supposed to be, how they're supposed to live. But before that, he calls them and us beloved. Beloved. He wants them to know that even though they're suffering, that they're loved, that they're loved by Peter, but that they're loved by God even more. We're God's beloved because we are his sons and daughters. 
We're in his family. We belong to him. In Jude 1, it says we're called beloved in God. Over and over as you read Jude, it's just, he just keeps saying, beloved, 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 beloved. We need to know who we are. We're called beloved. But Jesus was called beloved first. Do you know that? Matthew 17, 5, the Lord says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus because he's his eternal son. But he's also pleased with Jesus because of what he has done for us. He's pleased with his perfect life lived on our behalf. He's pleased with his perfect death that he died on the cross for us. He's pleased with his perfect resurrection, which shows that sin has been paid for. And when we place our faith in the gospel... We are invited into the family of God and we are called his beloved. I'm hoping to say that a ton of times. That you just walk out of here saying, beloved. And Yogi feels it. It's like a warm bath. Beloved. You just slide in. Comfortable. God is pleased with his eternal son. We're called God's beloved now because his beloved son sacrificed everything for us. Jesus gave his life. And so the next time persecution comes or the next time life just gets hard in general, when family members sort of exclude you, when workmates exclude you because you are being salt and light, when friends begin to walk away, when the, I, the pain and the loneliness starts to drift in, you know what you need to do? You need to remember in that moment, you are God's beloved. That people may not be treating you the way they should be treating. You may not be feeling the love from them, but you have the love of God that is real in your life. When we're hated for our faith, never forget he loves you with an everlasting love. Never ending, never stopping, like Sally Lloyd-Jones says in the Jesus Storybook Bible. It goes on and on and on and on. We are going to the place of love. That's what heaven is, to be with God for all eternity. See, remembering this, you know what it will do? It will help us to not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Persecution does that. When life gets hard, it, does, it tempts you to give up. It tempts you to walk away. But the Bible says, do not give up. That in due season, there is a reward coming to us. We are his beloved and citizens of his kingdom. That's why Peter calls us sojourners and exiles. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, he says. We are here for a moment. Just like gas in a driving car doesn't last, our time here on earth does not last. It comes to an end. This shows us the way we are to view ourselves and the way we are to act in our society. Sojourners. See, we are not to withdraw from culture. Some Christians do that. They just withdraw and they get into like this self-righteous stance. 
They start to act and think that they're better than other people, and then they, they withdraw from the culture. We're not supposed to withdraw from our society. But our standards of behavior is not supposed to come from it either. So we don't withdraw, but we aren't allowing the culture to dictate the way that we live our lives. How we should live should be dictated by where we're headed. Our behavior should be driven by where we are going. It should come from the culture of heaven. Hebrews 13 verse 14 says, Here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. We seek a city that is to come. We live here the way we will live in that heavenly city. Now, a good question you should be asking now is, is if the city here will not last, if we have no lasting city, if all of this is going to come to an end, if all of this, like the Bible says, is passing away, should we just not care about the city? Should it not matter to us where God has us? The answer to that is no. Jeremiah 29 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. We aren't to withdraw. We are to be engaged where God has us. And seeking the welfare of the city starts with prayer. Do you get that? Do you see it right there in the verse? Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. The things we want to see happen here, the things we'd like to do, we want to see people's lives change spiritually and practically. We want that. But we can't make any of that happen. God has to do it all. The things we want to see this church accomplish, the reason why we chose where we chose to plant this church is because we want to be a difference here. We want to be salt and light. But if God is not the one working, it won't work. And so we plead and pray with him. And so we're going to do that right now. And I'm going to have Vicki Baggett come up. And she's just going to pray for us and for this city. We believe in prayer as a church. And so I'm trying to find all the ways to pray. Come on up here. Mama V, isn't she sweet? Amen. Amen. She rebukes me really well. You want to pray? Pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord, as we sang of your faithfulness and how good you are to us. It is only because of your grace that we are standing here or that we know each other. It's that grace that you extend to us when you said in your word, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that none of us should perish, but that we should all have everlasting life. And so, Father, we bring this city before you. Lord, we bring this area before you, and we commit it to you, Father. We ask that you would move in our hearts. You would burden our hearts for the people that you have here, that you need us to reach out to today. Father, I pray that this wouldn't happen just today, right now, but that throughout the weeks and the months and the years to come, Lord, that you would burden our hearts, that we would pray for this area that you need to bring to this church here, Father. So we lift them up to you, ask for changes in this area, ask for transformation, ask that you would, Lord, reach to the hearts of each person in this area, Lord. You know their hearts today, 
and I pray for salvation. I pray that you would reach out to your people in a special way and draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray that this area would change, not because of us, but because of your power, your Holy Spirit moving amongst your people. Draw us to yourself, Lord, and give us the strength to continue to love and to reach out to this people that you have entrusted us to. Thank you for what you would do. Thank you for your faithfulness. In yes. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Vicky. Amen. So we are exiles here, but God wants us fully engaged here. Not withdrawn, not allowing the culture to dictate to us. Fully engaged, living like the city we are headed for, for the good of others and the glory of God. And as his beloved, as his sons and daughters, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. We can seek the welfare of the city. And in its welfare, we find our welfare. And so let's work for that and be praying for that. Let's not just pray now in the service. As you go home, as you go through the rest of the week, find a moment just to pray for the city that God has you in and the city that he has our church in. And so Peter tells us who we are. And then he tells us what we are called to do. He tells us that we are called to avoid what's harmful. He tells us to avoid what is harmful. Verse 11 again, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. That verb abstain means to actively keep away from, thing, from something, to avoid it at all costs. And Peter is using it here in the present tense. And so he's speaking of an ongoing activity, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, actively avoiding these passions. And now he says, avoid the passions of your flesh. So it's good for us to know what they are. And here's a list, because I like lists, for you on the screen. The passions of the flesh, here they are, idolatry, strife, enmity, sexual sin, sorcery, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, pride. And I'll confess to you as your pastor, God, because he's gracious to me, just exposed so many ways I'm struggling with pride. And so many ways that I need to, that needs to change. I need to seek and fight for humility in my life. But that is a passion of the flesh that is destructive. Pride, gossip, dishonesty, all of these things we are to avoid, Peter says. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not to allow these things to settle into our life. We avoid them. Here's why. It's in the verse. They wage war against your soul. Do you see it? Verse 11. Abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. The Greek word here means to serve as a soldier. When we, you got to think about this, you got to take this in. When we, when we give in to the passions of the flesh, we are declaring war on ourselves. 
You're calling an army to invade you. That when we allow the passions of the flesh to fester and simmer into our church, we are declaring war on our church. These aren't small things. They ruin lives. They ruin churches. If you allow them to just settle in and do the damage that they can do. And the more we give in to these things, the more we will become spiritually weak. The more we give in to these things, the more we will become ineffective in our witness. These aren't small things. They ruin lives. See, Peter wants us to see our sinful actions in the right light. Never believe the lie that the sin you are in or, or going to commit has no effect on anyone. That is a lie. Never believe that if you choose to give in to the passions of the flesh that it's doing no harm to you. It is. Never believe that it's doing no harm to no one else. You are not, we, not you, we, because I'm in it too. We are not islands. The things we do affect other people. And so we are to take it seriously. To fight these things, it rages war on our souls. And so we're told we are to abstain. We are to avoid. We have to go out of our way and not make sure we sort of walk into them. And so we need an answer now to the question of how do we avoid them? So we're told to avoid. We're told to abstain. And so now we need to know how to do it. We do it. Here's how we do it. We do it by keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. That's it. We avoid the passions of the flesh by following the Holy Spirit every day. And I've put this up, and it's in the Christian Standard Bible translation, because this translates this better, much more clearly. It says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, for the, sorry, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. There's that new heart reality. We want to do the right things. No one wants to live in pride. No Christian truly wants to stay in jealousy. No Christian truly wants to stay in sexual immorality. No Christian wants to stay in dishonesty. If you want to stay there, you're not a Christian. The new Christian wants to do the right things, wants to fight because the Spirit is alive in us with a new heart. Now, those that this is great. Just kind of me up here. Knows that, now those that belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. You see that? And its desires. The Bible says we've already won. That we are in Christ. And so in a way, we already have victory over the passions of the flesh. Because we're in Christ, we actually see it coming. I know when pride's coming. I know when jealousy is coming. I can see it. Because I'm alive. My eyes are open. God shine a light on these things and so I can see them in myself. I know when it's coming. Since we live by the Spirit, here it is, we must also follow the Spirit. It says, no temptation has come to you. That is not common to man. But the Lord will provide a way of escape. Do you know that every temptation... Every one of those things that we just talked about, when it rolls up on your doorstep, when it rolls up into your life, there is a way out. Do you know that? 
We don't have to give in to sin. There's always a way out. And the thing we've got to do is listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we follow him. Victory comes when we follow him every day as we hear him through the word. As we hear him through prayer, as we hear him through honest, loving counsel from other brothers and sisters in Christ, that is how the Spirit speaks to us of the things in our life that will harm us and that will harm our church. Because we are God's beloved, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us have victory. That's what God wants for his children that we would walk and live in victory because these passions harm us and they will harm our church. They also harm our witness in the world. And Peter does not want that to happen. That's why the Holy Spirit through him gives us this next command. Verse 12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we are to avoid what is harmful and we are to conduct ourselves honorably. Our conduct will be honorable when we are avoiding the passions of the flesh. The term Gentile here is being used to describe non-Christians. And that's because Peter views the church as the new spiritual Israel that has Jews and Gentiles in it. And in the first century, Christians were labeled as evildoers by non-Christians. That was a regular term that Christians were called. They were called evildoers. They were accused of rebelling against the government. They were accused of being atheists. Do you know that? Christians were the ones who were called atheists. And that's because they refused to worship Caesar. And so they were accused of that. They were accused, they, people accused them of incest because they called each other brothers and sisters. They accused them of cannibalism because they didn't understand communion. All of those things. And Peter says to make sure that your behavior proves that all of that is wrong. Make it so that their accusations against you are false. Peter says, do good deeds. You see it there? Verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as, evil, as evildoers, when, when, not if, when, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter here almost quotes Jesus word for word. Who said in Matthew 5, he says this, it's coming. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's almost word for word. See, non-Christians watch Christians. It's like when a toddler sees a stranger. They're just kind of like this. They just stare. Nothing gets you like, more shook than just a kid staring at you. Don't you just feel real vulnerable? You're like, there's something on my nose. They watch us. And so our behavior matters. Honorable conduct. Our honorable conduct. Here's what, our honorable conduct can change their wrong thinking about us. The way we live can change their wrong thinking. The, the Christians Peter was writing to were accused of evil. 
And in our culture, Christians are accused of evil. History repeats itself. They were accused of evil then, and we're accused of evil now. We are accused of being of bigotry, of being hateful, of being oppressive, of being prudes. We're accused of being self-righteous. We're accused of being anti-intellectual. And all there's so many other things. There's all kinds of labels put on Christians. And we're called here to live honorably so that those watching, so that when they look at our lives, the answer is, nope, not true. That is the way we are to live. Look, at verse, look down at verse 15. It says in chapter 2, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, here it is, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We live to silence those who are thinking in the wrong ways about us and saying wrong things about us. Karen Jobes, she says this, the goal should be to live in such a way that as to quiet the negative stereotypes associated with Christianity. And we need to like sort of fully confess, there are some Christians who fit into the stereotypes. They do some very ignorant things. They do some very hurtful things that we aren't to do at all. We are to avoid those things. This is to be accomplished by being people who do not indulge in self-destructive behavior. Again, passions of the flesh. And whose lifestyle can be recognized as good. This is a form of lifestyle evangelism. Peter expects that, it, that instead of spreading evil against Christians, these Gentiles will be among those who ultimately glorify God. Our honorable conduct can be a way we evangelize. Have you thought about it like that? That the way you live your life is actually an evangelistic move. That your conduct can lead others to Christ. And we can do this with the Holy Spirit's help, showing people that God is real. That term, the day of visitation, sometimes refers to the day of God's judgment. But here it's speaking of when, when God actually visits someone by showing them mercy, the mercy of salvation. Peter is saying here, when we conduct ourselves honorably, those around us persecuting us, God can use that. The way we respond, he can use it to bring those people to Christ. Think about the person who makes your life the hardest right now because you're a Christian. And then just ask yourself, how do I behave around that person? How do I respond when they do certain things to me? Because the way we conduct ourselves can lead that person, that person who you think cannot be saved, they can come to Christ. This is why we want to be salt and light. Our God-honoring conduct will challenge their doubt. Seeing that God is real will cause some to turn to him for salvation. This is how they will glorify God. Because they come to faith in Christ. We can live honorable, honorably. And we do that when we remember that we are God's beloved that we belong to him. Citizens of his kingdom, knowing who we are, helps us be who we are, his daughters and his sons. And here's a great, I'm gonna end with this. Here's a great explanation of the kind of people we can be, the kind of people we can, how we can live in the society that God has us in. Here's how 
we can have honorable conduct. This is a letter that was written in the first 100 years of the church. It's, it's, we don't know who wrote it, but it's just addressed to a guy named Diognetus. If you ever have a son, that is a good name. And here's what it says. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, and yet endure all things as if foreigners. Every foreign land to them is as their native country, and every land of their birth as the land of strangers. They marry, as do all, all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. You see that? In the flesh, but not living after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. We are to be good citizens. Peter goes on to say that we are to submit to the governmental authorities. They're instituted by God. They're there actually for our good. And then in Timothy, it says that we are to pray for those who are in high office. So we are to be good citizens here because that's where God has us. But we are citizens of heaven. They love all men. We are to show grace to humanity. Love all people. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in, they're in lack of all things, yet they abound in all. They are dishonored, yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of, and yet are justified. They are reviled and blessed. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good. Here's, the, here's a beautiful line. Those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. And he, he writes this because he's describing how the Christians are living. This is not like a, here, this is, it's not a prescription. This is already happening. He says, those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. That is honorable conduct. That is how we be salt and light in the world. History repeats itself. Christians were treated harshly in Peter's culture. And we will be mistreated in our culture. But we can live honorable lives through it all as we follow the Holy Spirit every single day. Living this way will lead others to Christ, knowing we are God's beloved avoiding what is harmful and conducting ourselves honorably, trusting that God will take care of everything in the end, that he will make all things right, and that he will use the conduct to save those who are truly his. Let's pray. Father, Father in heaven, Lord, as you look now on your beloved, standing on a platform, standing on a stage, sitting in chairs, serving faithfully with our young ones and hope kids, and our young ones and hope kids, all of us, Lord, who you love, I pray, Father, that you would help us to avoid the things that are harmful for us. I pray, Father, that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to follow the Holy Spirit every day. To keep in step with your Spirit, O oh God, knowing 
that that is how we avoid the passions of the flesh, Lord, which you say wage war against our soul. God, as your beloved, you tell us what we need to hear. And then you also tell us how you're going to help us live in the ways you want us to live. I believe you've shown that through your word today. I pray our hearts right now would be that we would want to leave here and live in such a way that those who hate us could have nothing to assign their hatred to because we are living God-honoring good lives for your glory. Lord, because you, Father, looked at us who were not living God-honoring lives, who were running from you. And Father, you did not leave us to yourself. You said, those are my beloved. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ, your beloved son, who died in our place. So that now as your sons and daughters, as your beloved, we can live like how he lived. Not perfectly like him, but living in such a way that people realize your son is real, that you are real. And God, that you will use this lifestyle evangelism to save people. Help us, Lord God, to be salt and light. Jesus Christ, you are ours forevermore. You will deliver us to the golden shore. That is promised. We are citizens of your kingdom. And as your beloved, help us, Lord God, to walk in step with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.